prayers. So um, we've just uh, come back from Adelaide. We were living with some friends who used to live in Seduna, and they told us all about Seduna. So I was, I was really... So I said, Is it Seduna? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Port Lincoln. They used to live here in Port Lincoln as well. I've been to Wyala once, and so, you know, what a tremendous area of the world to be with. And I just want to remind you that, you know, God called a lot of people from secluded areas to be able to work for him. And uh, I don't want anybody here to ever feel that maybe God has forgotten you because you're living in some place that you don't think is on anybody's map. It's on God's map. And uh, for me, I was born in the United States. I was raised in Australia on the Gold Coast. (laughs) I know it's tough. Um, I lived in Miami. I was five minutes away from the beach. I used to go down for a swim and a surf every morning until I saw Jaws. And uh, that sort of stopped me from going into the water for a little while. Then we moved to Bangkok, Thailand. My wife and my family, my two little kids. And uh, we were in Bangkok, Thailand for 12 and a half years in Southeast Asia, ministering and working in that area. And then we moved to England. Like, how crazy is that? Like, what's an Australian doing in England? And all I can say is it's really close to Europe. So Paris is probably one of my favourite cities. And some of you are thinking, Paris, yeah. Amazing, but it was an, an exciting time. What I want to do is I want to ask you just to, to think about what's actually happening today. Right across Australia, over 30,000 young people are meeting right now, right today. Right across Australia, and you're part of that. This is phenomenal. Back in my day, when uh, we heard about Youth Alive, we would have been lucky to see five or 6,000 people meeting across Australia. And here it is today, 30,000, and you're part of that as well. And I want you just to pause for five seconds. Feel the other 30,000. There they are. And you're part of it. Now, let me ask you another question here. How many of you think that God could do something here in Port Lincoln tonight? How many of you believe that maybe God could speak to you and the impact of those words could be felt maybe 50 years from now? What's your faith levels like? What are you believing for tonight? What do you think could possibly happen? Was it, it's got to be more than a sausage and a few onion rings. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be more than a hamburger and a cherry ripe drink, which was really nice. Thank you so much. It's got to be more than that. There's got to be an expectation in our heart that God is going to do something tonight and do something in your heart and in your life. I've been in camps all my life. And uh, just a few months ago, I was at the ACC conference on the Gold Coast. And uh, one of the young fellows who I just preached for two, two weeks ago, he came to me and he says, oh, Tom, so good to see you. And uh, of course I know him, it's Phil Brake, and he's in Melbourne and uh, got a great church there. And he reminded me, he says, back in 19... Um, you uh, preached at this, this youth rally. And that afternoon, I was down in a, in a pool, uh, which was empty, and uh, I was just about to put together a, a cone... And I understand that could be cannabis. I'm not sure if anyone wants to help fix me up on that one. And he was just about to, to smoke it and I came down into the swimming pool and interrupted what he was about to do. We had a bit of a chat. He was very uh, obnoxious. He was very uh, angry. And uh, I stayed with him for about five, six minutes and then I left. He was in the meeting that night and uh, I called him forward. And as he came forward, his thought was, I'm so angry. I'm going to smack this guy if he even lays hands on me. And uh, thankfully I didn't. And I just began to speak to him and I began to to tell him about his life. And I began to explain to him some of the things that he had been through. Not that I knew, I was saying all of this by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Later on that night, he made a recommitment of his life to Jesus there in that meeting and the power of God came upon him afresh. He made a fresh commitment of his life to Jesus Christ. That was a long time ago when that happened. At that same ACC conference, a man comes up to me, 72 years old, and he says, I was at a youth camp up in Brisbane when you preached. I said, wow. He says, you called me out. You prophesied over me. I'm going, how old were you? He didn't tell me. But, you know, he gave me this amazing story about how his life had been totally changed. He was a, a leader in the life of his church. He had been a leader in his youth. He'd been, and it was phenomenal what God did all those years ago. Well, I believe that what God did all those years ago, he can do here. I felt very excited when Pastor Rob said to me and asked me if I would speak at this meeting. And I thought, yeah, okay, I love young people. Our whole life has been about young people. Our whole church is about young people. I walk into some churches and I think to myself, gosh, this church is old because my church is so young and vibrant and I love it. University students, high school students, the place is crazy with young people. And I love the fact that God is doing something. He's raising up another generation. I love that video that they played before about this generation, this generation, your generation, rising up to be a generation of destiny and a generation of promise. So I believe that God can do something powerful here. Okay, I'm going to pray, if you don't mind. Why don't you open your heart to God right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now for your Holy Spirit to come. Sweet Spirit of God, come and begin to speak into people's hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take the scales off people's spiritual eyes, that they will be able to see how glorious Jesus is. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to settle upon each of us with with power and with strength and with fresh anointing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to prepare hearts here tonight, that you would open people's lives, that you would be readying their spirit to receive something from you. Lord, I pray that there will be a download from the spirit realm into our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I've just written, this is my third book, it's called Unseen. And I was talking to somebody and I said, I'd like to talk to the young people about my my book and he says oh young people aren't buying books anymore I'd like to disagree with that there's Kindle version if you want to find it on Amazon it's here tonight as well it's a fresh 21st century look at the spirit realm it's sane it's biblical it's balanced it's not whoopee it's not crazy you know we're not looking for demons everywhere okay but there is something there on the front of my book. Is actually, it looks like a demon, but it's not. It's a chimera from off the Notre Dame in Paris. And uh, it's a really cool book, and maybe you'd like to grab a, a look at it before you leave. A lot of young people don't understand the spirit realm, uh, especially people living in the Western world. Many of you that maybe have had contact and uh, understand what's going on in other parts of the world. I lived in Thailand for 12 and a half years and there in Southeast Asia. You know, Thai people have a very clear understanding of a hierarchy in the spirit realm. They understand what the powers of darkness are all about. When I was booking into a hotel in Bangkok a couple of months ago, I had with me one of my mates who wanted to learn how to say a few Thai words. All he could really remember was the Thai word for evil spirit. Okay? And that's P. Thai is a tonal language, and so we're booking in, and uh, the, the lady said, oh, is this your son? I said, no, he's just a good friend, and she said to me in Thai, she says, does he speak Thai? And I looked at him, and I said, she wants to know if you speak Thai, and he goes, P? <laughs> and the look on her face, it was like, hmm. <laughs> there are no evil spirits in this hotel. 
And I laughed and I said, it's okay, he's just joking. You see, in Thailand, people understand the power of evil spirits. They understand the spirit world. They understand the spirit realm. What they don't understand is Jesus. They don't understand the power and the authority that Jesus Christ has given to us over all the power of the enemy. Jesus said these words. He says, you'll tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And behold, he says, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. One of the things that we need to understand is that we've got authority. Maybe the enemy, the the enemy of our soul, he may have power, and he does. He's a very powerful foe, but we have authority over him because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. He defeated Satan, hell, death, sin. Jesus Christ gave us authority and victory in him. He's more than a conqueror. It makes us more than a conqueror. He says we're overcomers in Jesus' name. One of the things I love about the scripture is that whenever it talks about the devil, it's clear and gives us clear understanding that we should not be ignorant of the way the devil works. We should not be ignorant of his schemes, his plans, his his plots, his ploys that he employs against us. One of the things in the Southeast Asian world and other parts of the world is that You know, they have this clear understanding. We in the Western world, wow, the greatest delusion of darkness is that there is no such thing as a devil. And that's what the devil would love you to believe. If he can get you to believe that, wow, he can work unhindered against you and to work against you in those ways. We need to know and we need to understand. What if I told you that you have an enemy, an enemy of your soul, an enemy that is seeking to destroy the very image of God within you, an enemy that's unseen, an enemy that is invisible to your natural, normal senses. You can't see him, but he can see you. And what he does, and the powers of darkness that are surrounding him, they watch you, they look at you. You see, they've had millennia to hone their skills against humanity. They've had thousands and thousands of years to watch how humanity works and to watch how we respond to things around us. They can see our weaknesses, they know our vulnerabilities, they know what triggers us, they know what gets us going, they know how to fill our hearts with passion. They know exactly how to work against us. What if I told you that that enemy was after you and wants to destroy you, you personally, not the person sitting next to you? There's a passage of scripture I'd like to read to you and it's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And I'd like to read it from the the Passion Translation. So I want you to listen really carefully. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him. Resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith for you know that Your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles that you endure. Let me break it down for you just for a minute. The scripture says to be alert. The world needs more alerts. That's all I can say. Be alert. Be of sober mind. Don't allow your mind to be influenced by things that would bring intoxication into your understanding and the way that you think. Be alert. Your enemy, the scripture clearly defines him, your scripture, the scripture clearly shows who he is, the devil. He prowls around seeking. Seeking what? Seeking an opportunity. Seeking a way into your life. Seeking to 
to put a wedge somewhere in your world so that it keeps the door open so that he can come in and come out. The enemy of your soul is seeking an opportunity. He's looking for your vulnerabilities. He's looking for your weaknesses. He comes in like a lion. I like the way the scripture talks about that. He comes in like a lion. He's not a lion. He comes in like a lion. You see, one of the greatest uh, schemes that the devil has against you is to deceive you. You know, people, when we start talking about the devil, they start to feel afraid. They feel scared. Let me tell you a story. When I was in Bangladesh, in Dhaka, uh, I, was, uh, I was commuting from Bangkok to Dhaka every other week. And so I had a week in Dhaka and a week in Bangkok. In my early days in Dhaka, I remember I woke up in the middle of the night and my room was, all of a sudden, it looked inky black. It was blacker than black. It was dark. It, there was, I knew immediately that there was something going on. As I sort of woke up, I, I looked over into the corner and there, it was like there wasn't a chair there, but there was a chair there. And there was this dark figure sitting on it. And I looked at this thing. And in my spirit, I, I knew that this was a, a, a powerful spirit over the city of Dhaka come to check me out. I just looked at it and I said, in the name of Jesus. And I turned over and I went back to sleep. Amazing, isn't it? I remember I was once in Pattaya in, uh, in Bangkok and we were preaching away. My friend from uh, Sydney was preaching, and uh, an older gentleman, and he was preaching away. And all of a sudden, this 19-year-old girl sort of stood up in the middle of the audience and she began to scream. And it was a horrendous scream. I thought to myself, I knew exactly what was going on. My friend up there who was preaching, the blood drained from his face and he stood there as if to say, oh, 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 what's, what do I do next? I was looking around. There were other pastors in the room. Nobody seemed to move. Other people seemed to sort of stand away. And it was like, well, someone's got to take authority over this. So I got up, I walked over, I turned my finger and I pointed at the woman and I said, in the name of Jesus, be still and be silent right now. And immediately she fell to the floor and she was quiet. I then turned and I said to the evil spirit inside of her, I said, you need to come out of her right now in Jesus' name. She arched her back and she screamed and the evil spirit came out and we went on with the service. This is the authority that we have in Jesus' name. It's not to be afraid. It's not to be concerned. I mean, I watch, uh, I shouldn't say I watch, I have viewed on occasions clips and trailers from movies like The Exorcist and other demon-possessed things. Do you know what really annoys me? They get up and they go, in the name of St. Christopher, we hold the words, the prayers. I'm going, why the heck don't they just say, in the name of Jesus? What's all this crap going on about holy water and, you know, just, just, just annoy the heck out of me. You see, it's not something for us to be afraid of. He comes in like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He comes against you and he, he may try to bring fear in your heart. But we know that we have authority over all the power of the enemy. Jesus is on our side. He says he's looking for someone to devour. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal kill and destroy I've come that you might have life that you might have life more abundantly I love the words of Jesus he says I've come that you might have life and life I love the way he emphasizes life over the forces of the devil the devil comes to steal kill and destroy but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly Rather than, than focusing in on the work of the devil, we focus in on the life that Jesus gives to us. Now, there's a war going on. There is no doubt about it. 
The enemy hates you. He hates you. He hates the image of God within you. He wants to assail your heart. He wants to destroy your mind. He wants to take away your passion. He is dead set against you. And we need to be aware that we've got an enemy that wants to devour us and to destroy the God part within us. There is a major concerted and coordinated effort to destroy a whole generation of young men and young women. It is probably the most powerful attack of the enemy on any generation in history, and this is your generation. The enemy knows that this will be the most influential generation in history to ever arise. Your generation, and it doesn't matter whether you're living in Sejuna, whether you're living in Wyala, whether you're here in Port Lincoln, whether you're in Alice Springs, whether you're in Darwin, Mount Isa, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, blah, blah, blah. He knows that your generation is a generation of incredible promise. And the Spirit of the Lord is moving in our nation in a way that is so I've never seen before. Young men and young women are being touched by the power of God. Young men and young women are being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, rising up in supernatural power. Young men and young women, God has been giving them a voice. And I want to be reminding you this, it's your voice that makes darkness tremble. When you stand in worship, you're causing the, the enemy to be in confusion. Don't forget the work that the devil had when he lived in heaven. He was the worship leader of heaven when his name was Lucifer. And when he fell, thrown out of heaven, every time God's people begin to lift up the name of Jesus and begin to worship him, he begins to get frightened. His kingdom begins to shake when we begin to stand and worship. Oh, you know, but I'm just a bit shy. Don't give me that garbage. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God has given us authority. God has given us power. God has given us confidence to stand up, lift a hand, shout, yell, cry, dance. I saw a few people dancing down the front here. I can't do that much dancing anymore. My knees have gone. But, but you know, the enemy is quite frightened when I do begin to dance. Many of the young people in my church are a bit frightened when I begin to dance. But I am probably one of the grooviest dancers. You should see when I start to move. The powers of darkness tremble when they see me stand and begin to, like, you know. I'm pretty cool. All I can say is I'm a groovy dancer. Moving on. But the, the Lord loves it when we stand and worship. The Lord loves it when we lift our hands. The Lord loves it when we're there worshiping with confidence and, and strength and power. That's when the Holy Spirit begins to move upon us. That's when we begin to get filled with the Spirit of God. That's when life begins to make... Uh, we begin to see the truth of what's actually happening around us. We begin to understand our purpose for being here. I love this. Even though this war is, is moving on, you know, I want to tell you that to defeat the enemy... The, the enemy of your soul. You need this fresh revelation of Jesus. This fresh vision of who Christ is. We need to understand that we serve a living God. We serve a powerful God. We serve a dangerous Messiah. You know, when you read in Scripture, you know, most of us, we, we get stuck into the Gospels and stuff like that. Very few of us ever read the book of Revelation because we can't understand it and it doesn't make any sense. Just read chapter 1. You know, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a voice behind me and I turned to see. And here we find the first time in the whole of Scripture, the ascended Christ, a vision of the ascended Christ. He's got a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He's got eyes like, like the noonday sun. He's got feet burnished like bronze, ready to, <laughs> I nearly said kick ass, the things of the devil. But he's there. He's there. This is the ascended Christ. He is a dangerous Messiah. Am I going to get in trouble? I won't say those words again. 
I just get annoyed when people go, oh, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He is a dangerous Messiah. And you know what? The same spirit that raised him from death is the same spirit that lives within us and quickens us and gives us strength and gives us power and gives us confidence. Helps us to work through the problems that we've got in our lives. You know, this generation, the enemy has come in. He's tried to work on your brokenness. He's tried to develop that broken heart of rejection. A young fella came to me one day and he said, Oh, my girlfriend's dropped me. Oh, mate, it's okay. Dry your eyes. There's plenty of fish in the sea. I said, How old are you? He goes, Oh, I'm 14. I said, you'll be right. So maybe somebody down here is feeling that sort of same rejection. I don't know. Is it, did you get dropped by your girlfriend? I don't know. I don't know. Was it you? Was it you? Well, you've got a son. I'm a bit concerned about that. But anyway, moving on. Because you're not married yet. Not that you know about anyway. So... I said to him, I said, you know, I believe that one day you will find, look at those jeans, my gosh. After the service, tomorrow, we'll go out to, we'll, we'll buy a new pair for you, I promise. I'll pay for them, okay? See, you haven't, haven't got socks on? What is it with this generation in socks? You don't like socks? What is this? I have socks, okay? Nudie jeans, <laughs> but I have socks. So this young fella, this rejection, this brokenness on the inside, the devil wants to capitalise it. Listen, we've all, we all come from dysfunctional backgrounds. We've all got insecurities. We've all got areas in our life that the devil wants to work on. We've all got situations in our own life and our background and our past where the devil would try and stir things. But you know something? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and gave him this most aggressive, powerful, dangerous, uh, anointed sort of uh, look in his eyes is the same spirit that wants to come upon us. And I want to inspire you. That nowhere, it doesn't matter where you come from, the, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. This, there's a need for a fresh vision of the Holy Spirit. Your generation is being reintroduced to the move and to the power of the Spirit of God. You know, for a while there, for whatever reason, we started to become the contemporary church thing, holy, holy. And, but now there seems to be like a, a move back to the, the things of the Holy Spirit. I feel much more comfortable there than I did with anything else. I like to see the words of knowledge. I like to see the prophetic word moving. I like to lay hands on people and, and see the power of God come upon them. I want to see the presence of the Lord. Some of you have never experienced the power of God. Some of you have never experienced the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life. Some of you have been coming along to church because you've got good friends there, and that's great. Some of you come to church. I know when I first went to church, I, I was a bit astounded that there were pretty girls there. Do you know what I mean? I thought, you must be full of nerds like me. But I got there, and there were pretty girls, and... And they were, they were interested in me as well, which I thought was pretty cool. But, you know, church was more than just my mates and pretty girls and, and great music. The, whole, the, the Holy Spirit was there. There was a presence there. There was the touch of God there. I know the night I became a Christian, I'm a convert to Christianity, by the way. I had no background in Christianity before I came to Christ at the age of 17. You know, I came to church. I was pretty excited about it. And the Spirit of God came upon me. My life changed dramatically from that day onwards. But that's, the, that's what I want to know about today. As I, as I look at young men and young women around me, I begin to see people that are hungry for the things of God. 
in this room here, I see numbers of you that are really searching God, seeking the Holy Spirit to, to come upon you. Some of you are saying, Lord, use me. Can you use me? I may be from the back of beyond, but, you know, can you use me? Can, can, you, can you do something? One of the powerful prophetic words that went around when I was young, and people would prophesy this over us all the time. And I feel there's a return of this particular prophetic word as well. And that is that God will send you to the nations of the world. And that God would use you. That your voice would be spoken. That the people would hear the word of God through you. And in you they would see the glory of Jesus. And I thought to myself, oh, I love that. I've been to dozens and dozens of different countries around the world and preached in so many different churches. And I've seen literally tens of thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ. I was just a boy on the Gold Coast. I was just some, some kid that would go down to Miami Beach every morning and have a surf. There was nothing special about me. God called me. Mind you, he did call me to Alice Springs, the middle of nowhere, surrounded by desert. But you know, I had a great time while I was there. God used me in a powerful way. I want to conclude with verse 9 of that passage of scripture that I shared before, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9. And it says this, Take a decisive stand. Can we get the, the band up? Take a decisive stand against him. Who? The devil, your enemy. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. Take a decisive stand. None of this mamby-pamby, oh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. This double-mindedness, this, this doubting sort of approach to life. Maybe you can just play quietly on the keyboards. That would be lovely. As God begins to work here amongst us, I want to encourage you to take a decisive stand and stand with God. Stand with Jesus. Stand full of the Holy Spirit. Stand on the Word of God. If you haven't got a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. The Word of God is, causes us to be able to stand strong. Take a decisive decision to stand strong in the Word of God. And take a decisive stand against the work of the devil. The Scripture talks about that we should resist him. Resist his every attack. And to do so with vigorous, strong faith. Some of you are saying, oh, it's not me. I don't, know if that, I don't know if I could possibly be that person. Well, God says you can. God says that's possible. Maybe, you, maybe you're here and you're not even a Christian. You've come along because some of you may have said, oh, let's go to Port Lincoln. There's going to be a great time. You know, hamburgers, hot dogs, pretty girls. Come along. You'll enjoy the music. It'll be great. We'll have all sorts of things. to. to it'll be fun, you know. Sejuna, four hours. That sounds great. I'm sure you stopped one at once or twice, uh, toilet stops. But you're here and you don't know Jesus. You're not a Christian yet. You haven't given your life to God. And you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe I should. Well, take a decisive stand tonight. Take a decisive stand and say, yeah. Yeah, that's me. I'm going to follow Jesus. So what I'm going to do is ask you all to stand up. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm just going to simply ask, straight out. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, 
If you would like to give your life to Jesus, would you just lift your hand? While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. That's okay. Thank you. I see your hand. You can put it down again. Is there somebody else? You want to give your life to Jesus? You want to to become a Christian? You want to say yes to Jesus? I see your hand back there. God bless you. You can put it down again. God bless you. I see your hand over there. That's great. Are there others? You say, you know, I want to give my life to Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus in my life. I'm at the end. Someone, thank you. I see your hand over there. You can put it down again. Thank you. God bless you. I see your hand at the back there. Good on you. God bless you. Is there anybody else? You need to give your life to Jesus. You know, I sense a, someone here with a real broken heart tonight. Your heart's broken because of some of the things that have happened to you. You just don't feel like you're complete on the inside because of this brokenness. Your life is raging with all sorts of fears and concerns. I want to ask you right now, if you need to give your life to Jesus, if you've not raised your hand yet, would you lift it up high so I can see it? Do that right now. Thank you. I see your hand. God bless you. Is there somebody else? I don't want to rush this. This is, this is eternity here. Some of you that are raising your hands are going to be young men and young women of destiny. They're going to take Australia by storm. Somebody else, you're not a Christian yet, but you need, thank you, I see your hand, God bless you, you can put it down again. Is there someone else? Is there somebody else? Okay, Um, Josh, why don't you come and lead them in prayer and uh, do what you need to do.